Hi, I'm Barry Clark. Welcome to the Mortgage and Property Podcast brought to you by Mortgage Monster. Now sit back, relax and get ready for top tips, tricks and advice to help you with all of your mortgage and property needs. For this week's podcast, we do things a little bit differently, something we haven't done before. Um, first of all, we do take all feedback kind of really, really seriously. And for us, it's about kind of constant improvement and constantly kind of doing better for you guys and, and kind of, you know, trying to produce the very best content we possibly can. So around about two months ago, we recorded this podcast, um, but we did have some clients walk in. So we rushed it uh, a little bit more than what we should have done, um, To which led, which led us to kind of uh, someone uh, replying, it looks like I have to go to the toilet, which is why I was uh, speaking quite so quickly. Um, the truth was, you know, our office is, is a working office. You know, we try and record stuff um, away from everyone else. But sometimes we need the space. Sometimes, you know, if, if a client walks in and, and wants to be seen there and then, uh, you know, some of this stuff does get put on the backbone. And that was one such case. We we're halfway through recording the podcast. Um, uh, we had two sets of clients uh, walk in that we weren't quite expecting, which meant that we had to kind of hurry up. We had about five minutes to finish the podcast. Hence, we kind of rattled it off. So, we just want to kind of go back through it again. Uh, we'll probably delete off the old episode that we did and try and uh, try and make sure we provide you guys with a really understandable guide <laughs> rather than you trying to write uh, everything down we're saying, you know, 400 words a minute. So <laughs> we're going to go again. Uh, so Luther, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Cool. So today I'm joined by Luther um, and he's going to help me run through the schemes that are available um, to first-time buyers or next-time buyers and see how they work. Um, and how we can kind of get you onto the property ladder um, using various schemes that are available that you could be eligible for. So, Luther, we're going to try and explain it all, all to you. Um, so please stop me if you're not sure of anything, ask some questions as we kind of go along. Um, I think the last one, I think Adam just fell asleep. <laughs> um, so hopefully uh, Luther will be able to stay awake this time. I'll try. And we'll go through things at a bit of a slower pace and try not to rush it all and just make sure that we deliver it in the best and most understandable way. Yeah. Okay. It's got me to kick off. So, so, so we might be some paper rustling while we kind of get everything ready. Um, Gordon, if you want to run us through. Um, uh, yeah, we'll start, you've got. we'll start off with, um, could you uh, explain right to buy? Okay. Um, so right to buy is predominantly aimed at uh, council tenants. Those people that lived in a council property for a number of years. Um, and what happens there is the fact that you can be offered a discount, which then be used as your deposit. So if, say, for example, this is very, very loosely. Let's say, for example, you're purchasing a property of, say, for example, you know, £300,000. Potentially, because you've been a um, been paying the, the council for your property, the council give you a first opportunity or first refusal to basically purchase your property. Um, depending on how long you've lived there, the type of property it is, they can give you a discount for you purchasing that property. And that discount might then be used then as your deposit. So, for example, if you had a property worth, say, for example, you know, £300,000, potentially uh, you might get £80,000 as a discount to buy your property. So effectively, you're buying the property at, say, £220,000. But the extra £80,000, which the council have kind of gifted to you, you can use that as a deposit. That means you can put your £80,000 discount down as a deposit and we can you record that as being a deposit. You just have a mortgage into the remaining £220,000. Okay. Um, so not just giving it to you willy-nilly. Mm. And they're giving it to you because they're going to save that money over the next little while, potentially by, by um, um, by you know, you not having to, to pay them rental or whatever else. But you not having to give subsidy, by them not having to provide subsidised housing for you. 
Um, so potentially you get a discount. Uh, in that instance, say, for example, £80,000. Um, however, you mustn't sell the property for um, at least five years. Um, otherwise, they're going to want you to kind of pay some of the money back in. Um, and you must also live in the property as well. So you're buying the property for your own residence, so therefore you must live in the property. Did that kind of make sense? Yes. Uh, I've got a question. Go on. Um, so you said you have to live there for a certain amount of time. How yep. much? How long do you have to live there for? Um, so the minimum time is, is generally three years, but the bigger discounts come when you've been there more than five years. Oh, is there a way to like, is it, does it go, like go along in price? Yeah, so the more discount, so the longer you've been in your property, potentially the more discount that, that, that you can get. Also, there's bigger discounts for uh, leasehold property or, or flats, potentially that would, that would be for kind of individual houses as well. Oh, okay. Um, and there's a handy online government calculator, an affordability, the government affordability calculator, and that will kind of give you an idea of what sort of discount that you could be due potentially. Okay. Um, so say so, it's mainly for for kind of council tenants, um, and they can get a discount of up to it's actually up to one hundred and sixteen thousand um, pounds. You'll be eligible for this for a number of different reasons. So if this is your main home. Um, or, or your, your only home. Um, uh, it must be self-contained, so it must have its own front door, its own living accommodation, not kind of shared accommodation. Um, and you've had a council landlord for, say, for example, three years. It doesn't necessarily have to be three years in a row. Um, or as I say, you're, you're a secure tenant. So basically, you know, you are renting it from, from, from the council as such. Um, most people like the idea of pushing the home if it's affordable because it means that any changes they potentially do they're going to benefit from those changes or any uh, you know benefits they're going to bring to the property mm. they also get to keep those as well like for example you know if it's your own home you're more likely to kind of you know decorate it yeah, to spend money on exactly yeah. maybe new carpets that sort of at least you know you're going to be there kind of long term and it's yeah. yours better to do that with um, uh, the uh, right to buy um, potentially will be a little bit more for, as I say, for, for flats and that sort of stuff. And the discount varies depending on how long you, you've lived in your property. Um, so potentially the biggest discount you can have is around about £116,200. Um, and uh, that's for people living in London. For people outside of London, um, you're looking around about £87,000 as, uh, as, as, as a maximum discount. Um so that's the maximum discount that, that, you, that you can have. Um, if you've been a public se sector tenant for between three and five years, potentially you can get up to a 35% discount of your of the market value of your property. And that, and that caps out at those amounts, which I just told you, which is 87,200 outside of London and 116,200 pounds with, within London. Um, if you've been a public sector tenant for, for more than five years, then discount will go up by 1% every extra year um, over and above that, but still cap out at the 116,000 or 87,200. And that's for properties uh, which are detached or like freehold properties, basically. Um, potentially, you can get bigger discounts um, if you're in a flat, for example. So discounts can be more than 35% in the first kind of three to five years. That can be anywhere between uh, and 50% um, between three and five years. And potentially then um, could go up uh, after five years by around about 2% extra for every single year that you've been in there. But again, it's still going to cap out the same £87,200 um, outside of London or £116,000 within London. So potentially, um, you know, if you live in a flat, uh, it could mean that you get some really good healthy discounts to help you buy that. And if you live in a house, it should be a really good amount of, of, of money for you to be able to, you know, put down as a deposit. Mm. Um, so that money is basically put down as a deposit. So you will need a little bit extra money for kind of um, legal costs, 
and if you have different bits and pieces, but you can use the full amount of discount as your deposit and have no other money yourself to basically put in apart from um, your stamp duty if it's applicable um, and any kind of legal costs or surveyor costs that you might potentially need. Um, those might equate to, you know, on a property that doesn't require stamp duty to be paid, uh, maybe like two, two and a half thousand pounds. Um, so even above that, then a discount you get could be fully used as the deposit. If you had to purchase your home, so you just get a mortgage for the rest. Yeah, okay. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> we'll move on to the next one. Uh, okay, yeah, cool. Uh, so <clears throat> could you explain in more detail right to acquire? Uh, right to acquire is predominantly for people who rent through housing associations. Um, the discount, unfortunately, is going to be a lot lower. The discount for those is actually uh, around about £16,000. So it, it, it is kind of quite a bit less. Um, as I say, sixteen thousand pound is 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 the maximum there. You need to have been a public sector landlord, uh, been rented from a public sector landlord for at least three years. Um, the property must be self-contained. It must also be your 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 only or your your uh, it must be your, your only home. So you kind of bought property before, basically. So yeah, so 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 right to buy. Uh, sorry, so it's a right to acquire. I um, mean, you can get a discount, but it will be quite a bit less. But you can use that discount towards your deposit, basically. Mm. And if you can get that count as your full deposit, again, you'll need to find your your legal costs, uh, which may be, uh, you know, excluding any stamp duty, which may be payable, could be kind of, you know, two, two and a half thousand pounds. And potentially you can also then um, own your own home. Okay. Okay. That So that was uh, right to buy and right to acquire. But what if I wanted to sell my house? Um, well, you know, predominantly um, councils and house associations will give you those discounts um, because they're expecting you to stay there for a period of time and for that to be your, your your main home. But, you know, stuff happens in people's lives and they want to then sell the property or, or move from the property or whatever else it might potentially be. Um, so with um, right to buy, um, you... Um, have to keep the property for at least five years. So if someone's saying, saying how many would sell the property after, say, for example, three years, then they would, uh, you know, apportion that discount to you. So if, say, for example, you had, I'll make figures really easy, it might not be this amount, but £50,000 is a discount, for example. If, say, for example, you moved off, say, for example, three years, then um, you'll get, you know, three out of the five years worth of discounts. I mean, you'll have to repay back in around about £20,000 from that. Whereas you stayed in the property for the full five years, you wouldn't expect to pay anything back at all. Okay. Um, but it is possible to sell your property at any time, should you want to. Um, you may have to offer it back to the council, first of all, for them to be able to see whether they want to buy it or not. Um, but normally a property can be sold just on the open market um, as, as it would be any other property. Um, so to say, with rights, but you do fully own uh, your property, but just the discount that's given potentially could be uh, reclaimed back if you don't keep it for the full, say, for example, five years. With the, uh, when you, go through with buying your property in like a council, like a, a flat, should we say. Um, th- there's no way of like, the only way you would possibly like lose that is if you don't continue with your, you know, like I'm saying, is there any way to lose it? Like lose that property that you've paid for? I mean, well, that you've got. I mean, potentially. I mean, so what's happened now is, is that you've now bought the property from the council. The property yeah. is now your very own property. Yeah. And all kind of like normal mortgage rules will, 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 will apply because you've you've got you know your own deposit with the property, which is made up of your discount. Potentially, then uh, you've got mortgage on on the property, so it's really going to be about you being able to kind of keep up with those mortgage payments and and that sort of stuff. So, so it's just down to the mortgage then at that point. Correct. Yes, okay. you need to kind of keep up repayments. Otherwise, your property could be potentially repossessed. And the other thing to bear in mind as well is the fact that once you've already um, you know bought your property. 
from the council user discount. I've got mortgage property. It's going to be very, very hard to go back to council again and say, look, uh, I'm afraid, uh, you know, thank you very much for giving me that that that, that, that big discount. Um, I've now had that, spent it all, and now I need to go back into council housing mm-hmm. again. So I think you could potentially struggle a little bit. Um, but again, it all comes down to your local housing association, down to your local council. Yeah. But I think it'd be quite rare for you to benefit from being able to purchase your, your your council home and then better go back on to the council register maybe at a later date. But it will vary from kind of area to area. So I do recommend that you check that um, if you've already owned a property or bought your own council home. Okay, thank you. Um, but yeah, so just with those like normal mortgage rules that apply basically, as long as you keep paying for your home, at the end of the term, then you loan it and uh, you loan it completely outright and free of any charges or whatever else. is just the same as you would a, a normal house or home. And the way you might lose that is by either, say, selling the house early within the five years um, or, um, yeah, failing to maintain your mortgage payments. Okay. Pretty standard. So back to like standard stuff, yeah. basically, then. Yeah. Okay. So what about private companies like Proportunity and Even Equity? Okay. So there's a few of these around just now, and we are hoping to do a little bit more on these as time goes on. Um, I don't know if this series or the next one, but potentially we're going to try and get um, some of these guys on just to kind of explore a little bit more because these are really kind of rising in popularity um, and really where a help to buy is kind of finished now, um, which was a, a, a government um, funded uh, basically equity loan. These guys kind of stepped in to, to really, really help. So these are kind of private companies um, which have stepped in to kind of help where help to buy has fallen away. And basically uh, they can help you know, finance the purchase of your home um, by giving you a little bit more, uh, helping you out with your deposit. Um, so I'll give you an example. So with Proportunity, for example, um, let's say, for example, you had, I don't know, a £50,000, uh, you had a £50,000 um, um, income and a 5% deposit normally would mean that you might cap out and being able to purchase property with maximum affordability is probably going to be, I don't know, some region around about £225,000, for example. Um, what opportunity and, and even equity could do is potentially um, they can put like a bit of a second charge on your property, which means you're borrowing part from your lender, you're putting in some of the deposit, and then you get then a uh, another company which help you then give a bit more deposit. Okay. So potentially that means that can push your potential purchasing power up to as high as, for example, £310,000 of opportunity on the example that we've just done. And what it means then is the fact that you will pay back two parts. So every single month, you will have um, your mortgage and you have a little bit you'll pay back then towards opportunity every single month or just pay the interest only off on that particular bit. So it's just like on top or? Correct, yeah. So you just basically have a bit like having kind of two mortgages. Okay. So you would have a mortgage which might be a repayment mortgage mm. and that might be, I don't know, as an example, just pulling things out there, say for example, £800 a month. And potentially you might have to pay opportunity as part of interest only, maybe then another, I don't know, £100 a month, for example. So your total monthly outgoing could be £900. Mm. But bearing in mind that could be able to get you into a property that you might not have been able to get into before. So it could be a real big jump up between a property, say, for example, 225, maybe a property, say, for example, just over £300,000. So that property of £300,000 just may not have been available to yeah, you, basically. Definitely. Um, do we need to make sure we run all the affordability calculations and to make sure that? You know, paying the extra little bit every single month to, to opportunity is, is still going to be within your affordability and lenders will want to see that. But these are picking up now many, many kind of high street lenders. So I know that the likes of, you know, um, I know very much, you know, they work with people like Santander, uh, Tipton, Halifax, all these sorts of, of lenders, you know, and that where some will work with. So some of these private companies really are filling the gap for kind of uh, affordability. Um, 
Uh, we've got even equity, um, which which is very very similar. Uh, with even equity, as I say, with the same example, uh, you might have fifty thousand pound income. Let's say for example you had more deposit this time, you had kind of twenty five thousand pound deposit. That might afford your property up to say for example two hundred forty five thousand um, pounds. What that basically means is the fact that uh, even equity, they can kind of help double your deposit. So if say for example you had already had a twenty five thousand pound deposit, they can actually add an extra fifty thousand mm. pounds um, onto your deposits, and that now means you've got a deposit of now seventy five thousand pounds. So before you were buying at kind of two twenty five, you're now able to buy uh, kind of you know circa you know three hundred or grand almost or two hundred eighty five grand. So it's a big step up. Yeah, Gives big, a lot big more step options. up. And, you know, these are, with both these companies, kind of shared risk and shared reward. Mm. So say, for example, the loan amount could be, I don't know, 10% of the overall purchase price. Let's say, for example, your property went from, say, for example, £100,000, say, for example, £200,000. Now, it's a big jump up. Let's look at that example because it's easy figures. So that's not a promise. Your property's definitely going to do that. But say, for example, you bought £100,000 and sold it, say, for example, £200,000. And when you bought for £100,000, you even equity your property tuned to loan was say for example ten thousand pounds. When it sells now at two hundred thousand pounds, they're going to want the same percentage back again. Mm-hmm. So potentially they might want back twenty thousand pounds or uh, out of your two hundred thousand pounds because that's the way the equity is grown in the property. Yeah. Um, what that means is the fact that okay, you've had to give away ten thousand pounds equity, but you've also earned ninety thousand pounds from the growth of the property, which is absolutely fantastic. Definitely. Um, so they really help you kind of you know get on properties that maybe weren't quite as affordable for you previously. So it helps you really kind of maximize the amount of property that, that, that you're buying, especially if you know, potentially that property you're gonna be buying could be a difference between you buying a property and having to have a stepping stone into that property mm. and maybe move once or twice, or maybe be able to get in straight into your forever home potentially. Okay. Um, are, so uh, are they, how flexible would you say that they are with like, with repayments? Like if I miss one, is it the end of the world or? Well, it's, 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 it's going to be exactly the same as, as a mortgage payment basis. So oh, okay. you know, it might not necessarily be the end of the world, but it'll be set in stone that, you know, we will have this rate for kind of this many years. And your payment's going to be this amount. Generally, they tend to be interest only. So just be aware that you're not kind of paying back uh, any amount of money you actually borrowed. You're just paying interest to kind of service that potentially. Mm. Um, but if you did happen to miss a uh, either a mortgage payment or a second charge payment is going to show up on your um, credit score, basically, oh, okay. as you having kind of missed payments and that sort of stuff. So it'll be just as rigid as, as a mortgage lender and really going to want to do your very best to make sure that, that you keep up with those payments. And so say, if, if you don't keep up with those payments, there is a very strong likelihood that your home could potentially be, 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 be repossessed. So they're pretty much going to operate on the same rules as a mortgage lender and be quite fierce with that, really, in terms of, you know, missed payments and late payments, and they will get recorded and potentially if they're missed or late payments, it could, you know, we could struggle to, um, you know, get you a, a mortgage in, 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 in the future if you miss too many. Um, you know, lenders might look at you maybe as, as it being unaffordable or, mm. uh, you know, so you, my advice would be to really try really, really hard to kind of, you know, try and keep up date with all of those, all of those payments, basically. Okay. Not too different from uh, just your mortgage. Yes. Yeah, so, so pretty much identical in the fact that any late, missed or late payments is going to show up on your credit score and that might not help you when you're later on applying for a mortgage. Okay, so uh, we talked about the private ones. Let's go back to the government. Could you tell me a bit more about shared ownership, please? Of course, Ken, yeah. So with shared ownership, it gives you the opportunity to um, purchase a property which may be just on your sole income, maybe out of your affordability. So for example, um, 
if say for example with your affordability you might be able to buy something at say for example hundred thousand pounds but with kids and that sort of stuff that's not enough to kind of get you the property you want then maybe shared ownership is a really really good option so with shared ownership enables you to buy a share of a property which you're going to live in fully and a share community where between 10 percent and 75 percent so normally it's around about the I don't know, 25% to 50% mark of the property that, that you're able to buy. So for example, if you found a property that was, I don't know, say 200,000 pounds, and let's say for example, you're buying a 40% share of that property. So 40% share of that property means that uh, the property, uh, the share ownership part of property that, that, that you're buying is going to be 40%, which is around about 80,000 pounds. So that 80,000 pounds, you might have deposit, say for example, 5%, which is going to be say 4,000 pounds, and the other 95%, which is, say, for example, £76,000, you can have a mortgage for. Um, so that particular mortgage, uh, we need to check affordability because as well as the £80,000 of the share that you're buying, the other 6% is going to be owned by the housing association and you need to pay a rental for the part that you don't own. So as an example, well, that might mean, if, say, for example, you're buying a 40% share of property at 200000 the moment you have to pay your mortgage payments, also you may have to pay part of a rental as well. And the rental on, say, for example, 120,000 on interest only could be around about 275 pounds a month. So it could end up being a way of being able to really stretch your, you know, potential home that you're going to buy and get you into a bigger home by owning a part of it. And the other part, then you can rent them from the housing association. You're not going to fully own it, you're going to own a part of it. Um, don't worry, because later on in time, you can kind of staircase, you could buy more of the property back again. So say, for example, you had a 40% share at the moment. If you came to remortgage, say, for example, five years time, then you can buy back another five or 10% as and how your uh, affordability allows you to be able to do that. And each bit of the property you buy back again means you'll be paying a bit less in rental to the housing association. You can mm -hmm. own more of that property. Um, and the thought is over time is that maybe as you go up and onwards in your career, Hopefully you're going to have a bit more affordability and when it gets to the point where hopefully, you know, over the next little while you can actually own, fully own the property. Yeah. So, yeah, the goal is just to own it 100%. Correct. It is. But, you know, there'll be some people that that, that may, uh, um, you know, end up housing, end up having more of, of, of the shared ownership or less of the shared ownership. It just means that, we, you know, we can get you into property now, which especially if you've got little ones and that sort of stuff yeah. or even bigger ones, you know, they might have better share rooms. So with your own affordability, you might be kind of stuck at maybe, you know, two bedroom uh, flat type uh, budget, which means you're probably never going to move in with your teenage children. Mm. Um, if, however, you know, a share ownership could be a really good option because it might mean that you're then able to afford, I don't know, a property, say, for example, which may house I know yourself uh, and your partner and say, for example, I don't know a couple of bigger kids, for example, you might end up being in a three bedroom house then rather than a two bedroom flat, for example. So it's a really, really good way. I mean, the only downsides of shared ownership um, is the fact that you will be eligible. So if there's any kind of, um, you know, ground rents or service charges in order to keep that, that the area nice or to keep the building nice, um, potentially you may uh, be eligible for all of those um and potentially you know uh and yet you only own say for example you know 40 percent of, of the properties that's really the only kind of downside mm -hmm. um the only downside might be potentially um you know that these properties are are kind of new generally kind of new build properties so if you want to live in kind of an old style of property there aren't too many of those that come around and the only other really kind of thing you have to bear in mind is that when you come to sell the property back back on again you need to sell it um, if you only own a proportion of it 
or, or a percentage of it, you'll need to show it. You'll need to be able to sell it through someone else who wants to buy via shared ownership. So, for example, if you start off at 40 percent uh, um, shared ownership, you can increase up to 50 percent when it comes to the product back on again. You can only sell it on the open market to someone else who wants to be a 50 percent uh, shared ownership purchaser, basically. So if I got it at 40 percent and got it up to 50 percent when I sell it, it would be uh, it would, I'd get more, wouldn't I? Because it would be more. Could, could, could you own more of that? Yeah. So you'd get more of the profits. So say, for example, I know in the same example we're using, if you staircase from 40 percent to say, for example, 50 percent, and the property went from, say, for example, 200,000 to, say, 300,000, just an example, not saying it will, mm. but potentially there's 100,000 pounds worth of equity in there because you own 50% of that. You know, you're eligible to, to have 50% of, of the uplift. Yeah. Um, so, staircasing again is a really, really good thing as property prices are kind of potentially going up. Um, as I say, it just means it's really, really good for getting you into a property that maybe I know you may not have quite been able to, to afford before. Um, they'll look at affordability as well. So, you know, uh, they'll also take the, the rental into account when it comes to affordability. They want to make sure that your mortgage and your rental are still within affordability calculations and, mm. and so on. So they hopefully won't let you kind of, you know, lenders won't let you kind of overspend or go beyond your your, your means potentially. Um, so it's a really, really, really good scheme. Um, I say the only kind of downside to that scheme is there isn't very many properties around. You know, we've got clients which are kind of on waiting lists for kind of shared ownership property. There just doesn't seem to be enough of it, you know. Um, maybe there's not enough awareness of it as well. But as soon as they come up, they seem to get absolutely snapped up, you know, very, very quickly um, because they're a really good way of being able to to, to kind of, you know, get, get onto the property ladder and, and, and be able to, you know, afford your property, which you, you, you may not have been able to do un, under your own steam. Yeah, sounds it. Okay, so I know there's another government scheme that people could be using, uh, mm-hmm. and that's the first home scheme. Uh, yep. So the first home scheme, um, it's another government scheme, and this is kind of quite quite a new scheme. Um, so basically, when any developer um, builds a development, um, part of the housing, part of the kind of planning rules, are the fact that you have to every developer has to uh, either pay some money towards all the upkeep or the local. Uh, area and provide money for kind of more schools and services or they have to give over some form of of kind of you know social housing in order to kind of help out the local area basically and they're going to start doing this via the, the first home scheme basically gives discounts off properties for kind of first-time buyers so it's not like the other scheme whereby you know you, you're going to part in the property housing association this is where, say, for example, you can purchase a property. Generally, they're going to be new builds because it's a relatively new scheme and they're going to offer it out through builders. But potentially, they'll be able to offer discounts of between 30 and 50% um, off of properties. So effectively, what that means is, say, for example, you're going to be buying a property. Let's say, for example, I know, uh, um, um, let's say, for example, I know £100,000, for example. You can now own that property between, um, uh, you know, between, uh, I can't do my maths very well, but it's somewhere between uh, 75,000 and 105,000 pounds of the property that should be on an open market value of around about 150,000 pounds. Okay. I know you're looking at me a bit kind of frowny as if like that's too good to be true. Yeah, I want to know what's the catch. There's not necessarily a, a catch. Um, the eligibility is the fact that you must be 18 or older, uh, you've got to be a first time buyer. Um, you must be able to get a mortgage for at least you know half the the, the price of the, the full market value of of of, of the property. Um, you must have no uh, household income of any more than kind of eighty thousand pounds or ninety thousand um, pounds if you live in London. Um, you might find as well that uh, there are kind of 
uh, you know, the local government is also geared up towards offering um, these homes towards people that live in the area. Um, potential, potentially people who are kind of, you know, essential workers, uh, maybe such as teachers or hospital workers and mm. so on. So they might get um, preferential treatment or potentially those on, on, on lower incomes. Um, the houses cannot exceed any more than kind of £250,000 £250, in most areas of the country or £420,000 in London. Um, and you can only sell the, uh, the probably the only downside, the only thing you have to bear in mind is the fact that you have to pass that discount on. So if, say, for example, you bought the property, say, for example, £200,000 and you got a 30% discount, when you come to sell the property back on again in the open market, the new person purchasing that property, the full market value might be £300,000 and they're going to also buy a 30% discount as well. So you're almost passing that discount on. Even if that's not their first home or? No, so again, so anyone purchasing the home, they also have to be eligible for the first oh, home okay, scheme. So okay. it still has to be their first home and so on. So it's a bit like shared ownership when you sell, when you have a percentage of a property, you can yeah. sell it on with that percentage and yeah. the housing association stays there. The first home scheme kind of takes it away from the housing association a bit and gives you the discount from the property up front. You kind of have to pass that on. Okay. So if, say for example, you had a 50% discount, when you come sell the property back on again, you have to look at what the full market value is then and apply the same discount that mm. you've got. And you can only sell it back on again to people who are eligible for the um, first home scheme, basically. So it's a really, really good scheme for you to be able to get into uh, a property again, may have been out of your uh, reach um, than what it would have been previously. Yeah. Um, so it's a really, really good scheme. As I say, the only kind of real uh, downside is at the moment it's a relatively new scheme. So there just isn't enough property. You know, developers are kind of being pushed to kind of provide this this sort of um, you know these sorts of opportunities to kind of make sure they can pass on to clients. And we've literally in our area, we're based down southeast in Essex. Literally, we've seen a, a couple in London, you know, one down in Colchester. Very, very few and far between. You know, very, very few and and, and far fetched basically. So mm. we really need to see kind of more of these sorts of developments that clients kind of push into and make sure they're not these kind of amazing unicorns that only ever happen kind of once in yeah. in, in a lifetime. But I think, as I say, as, as, a scheme, as a scheme gets going a bit more and people get more used to it, developers get more used to kind of how it all works. But I think it's an absolutely brilliant, brilliant scheme. It enables you to buy property uh, in a much more, you know, in a cheaper way, potentially, what you could do before. Um, it's only through new build uh, developers. Um, and the reason why most of these properties are only done through kind of new build properties and so on is because, look, you know, trying to control trying to make sure there's no kind of foul play in the housing market for how many millions of properties there could potentially be is very very difficult having to manage you know a handful a couple of hundred developers is much easier better to do to make sure that those properties are built to certain quality uh, have a certain efficiency um, and that sort of stuff so it's much easier to kind of police this through developers than it would be to open it up across every single property that's available because you know the government couldn't necessarily can police a, a new build property. They couldn't police properties that are maybe 150 years old yeah. and they've owned for a certain while. They could be falling down and so on. So at least with all new build, they're built to a certain standard of a 10 year, you know, build warranty and so on. So we often get asked, you know, why can I not do this with any property and why I can I only do it with kind of new build or newer build property? Mm. And that's the reason why is the fact that the government's finding it very much easier to um, offer these schemes through, um, you know, trusted developers um, that. Uh, 
you know, the node probably is going to be of a fairly decent standard, going to be fairly thermo efficient, mm. and it's much easier to kind of police, you know, a hundred large scale developers than it is millions of properties throughout the country. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I do think it's an absolutely fantastic scheme. Um, as I say, the only kind of uh, complaint that we have is there just isn't enough property. There isn't, there isn't, you know, very many people that kind of know the scheme's actually available. Mm. Um, but, you know, the more we can talk about it, you know, the, the more and more popular it's going to basically be. So I can see this being a brilliant way moving forwards of clients being able to, being able to purchase property. Um, yeah, definitely. I hope it becomes like, a lot more common in the future. Hopefully. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, we just have to kind of, you know, it'll mainly be offered, I think, through, through new build developments um, and, you know, any of the new build d- developments that, that kind of, you know, come on board. They're sometimes met with a little bit of a, uh, maybe not everyone wants kind of a, a big new build development near them um, mm. because of, you know, traffic, extra noise and stuff yeah. on the roads. And we often hear a lot of people, you know, don't necessarily want new builds near them, but people want more homes, but not. But people want more homes, yeah. just not near them. So yeah. it's kind of a, a bit of a, a chicken egg kind of situation. Um, you know, we often hear the complaint that you know, uh, you know, with a new build development, there's already overcrowding in schools and hostels mm. and those sorts of bits and pieces. And what sometimes people don't don't fully know appreciate is the fact that um, the majority of developers will leave have to offer you know one or the other of. A lot, you know, social housing in this manner, whether it be shared ownership, um, whether it be um, the uh, first home scheme, or, or potentially they might have to pay um, kind of what they call a, a seal levy, which is a CIL levy, uh, a levy, which just basically means that they give a chunk of money towards the local government to spend on what they want in terms of infrastructure, hospitals, doctors, all this sort of stuff. So sometimes I think developers get it a bit unfair because mm. they've paid across a chunk of money to you know, to local council to be able to improve the area. And maybe sometimes I don't know if that's spent or not spent or spent in, in, in the wrong way. So developers are kind of almost penalised um, for, for for making these big developments potentially. And sometimes they're, they're kind of, you know, people would almost have a go at them for not being able to provide some of the infrastructure, but the developers already pay for that infrastructure by giving across a, a CIL levy basically across yeah. the local government. So um don't know where we went off on a bit of a tangent there. Um, but potentially, you know, uh, I think it's going to be a really popular um, scheme. Uh, we just need to have, you know, more developers that are aware of it, uh, more clients that are aware of it, and just need more availability of, of the property, which I think will happen as kind of time goes on. Yeah. Okay. So that was the <clears throat> first home scheme. Yep. Uh, first home is shared and shared ownerships. I say first home scheme is, uh, is, is a new one. So it's brand spanking new and kind of looked to come over from help to buy. Um, and I think it's a really, really good scheme. So um, I'd like to move on to our last one, lifetime ISO. Okay, so a lifetime ISO is not necessarily a, a buying scheme, but it's going to be really, really handy when you're saving up towards your deposit, basically. Um, so it's going to be really, really handy when saving up for a deposit. Now, a lifetime ISA is a, a savings scheme. Um, and when you're using that savings scheme, it's a really good tax-free savings scheme. When you're using that savings scheme, to build up towards your first um, property, uh, the government will give you some money to help you raise your deposit, basically. Uh, so you can open up a lifetime uh, with as little as kind of one uh, as with as little as, as one pound to kind of actually get your ISO up up and running. Um, you must be over eighteen, um, but under forty to better open up a lifetime ISA, um, and uh, potentially you can save. You can put yourself around about four thousand pounds in every single year. Um, is the maximum you can put into a lifetime ISA. 
And if you're saving for your first property, the government will actually put in a further £1,000 for you to spend on your deposit, basically. Wow. So if you can, you know, and this scheme you can have for, for over kind of 30 years potentially. So there's a real possibility for the government to give you up to kind of, you know, Thirty or thousand pound, or more than thirty thousand pound, to use deposit towards your towards your first time. So normally it's twenty percent of the amount that you saved. Hmm. Um, so potentially, you know, if you save twenty thousand pounds over, you know, three, four, five, ten years, or whatever else it is, um, so twenty thousand pound means they're going to get an extra kind of four thousand pounds from the government to use as, as your deposit. Basically, that means you can put a deposit down around about twenty four thousand pounds. So I say, so not necessarily a full scheme on its own, but I'd really like you to help get you as much kind of government and money as you possibly can, especially if it's free is probably the wrong word because you still have to kind of save up your own money. Yeah. Um, but certainly, you know, I'd rather you have it than, than, than not have it. Definitely. Um, and the maximum price um, tends to be kind of £450,000 for a property you can purchase in, in, in London. Outside of London, it's about £250,000. So just if you use your help to buy, I said kind of go beyond those amounts. You'll actually you won't qualify for the extra amount of money the government will give you the extra twenty percent. You'll actually lose that that bonus that the government was going to basically mm. give you. So you can keep under that. It's a really really good way of um, being able to get a little bit of extra, uh, you know, savings towards your deposit, which is brilliant. Yeah, it sounds very helpful. Um, so lifetime wise, so a lot of the, the big banks are, are kind of doing them, um, and you have to have your account over at least a year before kind of getting any of any of the government bonuses towards towards your first home. Um, and I'd much rather, as I say, you have it um, and use it towards good use rather than not knowing about it. And, Might as well, and, yeah. And, do you know what I mean? I'd rather that you have it, especially if you're saving kind of month on month anyway, um, saving up for your deposit. I think, you know, the extra money could be really, really handy. Yeah. Um, so I hope you've now got a little bit more knowledge about the schemes out there. Um, if you're still a bit confused about some, feel free to get in touch with, with your broker or feel free to kind of give us a shout and we'll happily kind of walk you through in a bit more detail. Maybe you've seen something on or online, you've got, oh, I really want to kind of find, find a bit more about that. Um, and, and how kind of the financing side of works that you know just 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 gives a call um, but basically I think that that's kind of it how do you feel about that makes you feel a bit more kind of knowledgeable now yeah I'm more informed now that's good as I say we tend to like using yourself Luther, because you know you've been before you're, you're in our marketing team yeah you don't necessarily you know it's not as if you work with mortgages every single day so it's it's nice better kind of you know almost test it out on somebody who doesn't have industry experience which is really really good yeah I'm, I'm learning as i as i go along it's very helpful actually <laughs> that's cool mate um so yeah so thank you very much for kind of joining us today and, and throwing those questions out it's always nice to hear two voices rather than my one boring monotone voice <laughs> and hopefully this time i've spoken a little bit more slowly so um you know at least if you're trying to take notes <laughs> don't end up even wearing the pencil completely out or starting a fire you know? <laughs> um basically uh, thank you very much for kind of joining us um, that's all we've got time for today I really hope you enjoyed listening if you did please don't forget to follow the podcast turn your notifications and please don't hesitate to leave a lovely review for us so thank you very much indeed bye bye so sometimes we may actually talk about mortgages and so on, which, as you know, is your regulated activity. So that kind of may form a financial promotion. So we just have to run through some risk warnings, basically. So first of all, we're talking about residential mortgages. Your home may repossess. Do not keep repayments on your mortgage. If we're talking about buy-to-let mortgages. Your property may repossess. If you do not keep up repayments on your mortgage. Talk about let-to-buy mortgages. Your property may be repossessed. If you do not keep up repayments on your mortgage. Uh, also, some buy-to-let mortgages are not regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. We've talked about lifetime home reversion plans. This lifetime mortgage home reversion plan. To understand features and risks, please ask for a personal illustration. If we happen to talk about debt 
consolidation, we have to include the sentence, think carefully before securing debts against your home. Your home may be repossessed, do not keep up repayments on your mortgage. If we haven't talked about second charges or secured loans, your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on a mortgage or any other debt secured on it. But if we talk about equity release, a lifetime mortgage is not available for everyone. It's important to seek financial advice before taking any action. All other options available should be explored before choosing equity release. Interest is charged on both the original loan and the interest that's been added. The amount you owe will increase over time, reducing the equity left in your property potentially to nothing. Please discuss with your family and beneficiaries. If we happen to talk about commercial lending, we have to let you know that commercial lending and some buy-to-let mortgages are not regulated by our financial conduct authority. And lastly, most importantly, uh, Mortgage Monsters trade name of Just Mortgage Direct Limited, which is appointed representative of the Open Work Partnership, trading style of Open Work Limited, which is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority.